0: On today's lessons, we'll be discussing passive versus active real estate investment within your self-directed IRA. Now, this is a very controversial topic because there are obviously hundreds and thousands and millions of investors out there across the country that you know have been in the real estate game for a while, whether it's five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, plus. And Self-directed IRAs, as we've been discussing in the previous lessons, is is, is a newer concept to to many investors. It's been around since 1974, but investors really only started to take advantage of this strategy just over 10 years ago, uh, prior and after to the the recession in the country. uh, when we discuss what investors have typically done, now if you've been in the real estate game for you know, 20 years and you've actively managed your own properties, done your own flips, you know, performed rehab and held properties or invested in tax liens or, or notes, whatever it might be uh, you know, in the real estate space, investing in a self-directed IRA does have some differences here. We're, we're not talking apples to apples comparisons when you're looking at real estate inside of your IRA compared to looking at real estate outside of your IRA. And the active versus passive uh, debate will will go on for, for a long time, but I wanna give some clarity to to what it looks like being an active investor in a self-directed IRA and what it looks like being a passive investor and you know where more investors lean as well. Obviously, you can do both, But there are some restrictions that you want to keep in mind when utilizing any of the strategies within your self-directed IRA. And first I want to start with compliance and prohibited transactions in a a self-directed IRA. So this is really where the apples to oranges comparison comes in because in a self-directed account there are really three major differences that an investor will encounter that they haven't encountered before. If you're a, a full-time or an experienced real estate investor um, outside of retirement dollars, you probably you know, never thought of these, or this is something that you know never was a, a distraction or an obstacle in the past, but within a self-directed account, the three major sort of obstacles in this space when investing in real estate, uh, first of all, comes down to sweat equity. So The IRS regulations are that you cannot perform any type of rehab work yourself on a property that you're owning within your self-directed IRA or a property that you're flipping or a note that you're holding, uh, whatever it might be. You cannot physically, uh, physically maintain any type of hands-on approach. So this is something that, you know, being a, a real estate investor myself, where you know you're active, you're 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 managing teams, you're doing some work yourself as well. Um, this is something that you know will deter me a little bit because it's a different approach I have to take. You know, I have to go around this now. So that's one of the main prohibited transactions is, is sweat equity. You have to be at arm's length in this transaction. You cannot have any hands-on capabilities. Now that also uh, points to property management so if you're investing in rental properties one difference here is going to be if you're holding these rentals within your tax advantage self-directed ira account you cannot manage properties yourself and you cannot have a disqualified person manage the properties as well so a disqualified person in this situation based on irs regulations is somebody of lineal descent to you so someone uh, whether it's your your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, your grandfather, these individuals are disqualified persons. They cannot also manage your property. You have to have a property manager, third party outsourced, to manage you know the day to day operations uh, of a property and, and make sure it's performing. So those are those are two, as I mentioned, uh, of the big restrictions and um, I would say you know differences in an investor would experience if this is. If you're getting into self-directed IRAs for the first time, and you thought about just doing the same approach you've always done—managing your own property, doing some work yourself, outsourcing others to a general contractor—now you're going to be limited in this in this situation. But this shouldn't deter any investors, and we'll get to why, as far as uh, real estate goes within your self-directed IRA. And then the third most common, um, you know, prohibited transaction, where I would say limitation in this instance is the financing. So obviously within traditional real estate investment, um, if you're purchasing a rental property, um, you're typically obtaining conventional financing in this instance. You know, where you're going to the lender, there's a personal guarantee. They're looking at your credit, your income, your debt to qualify, your credit worthiness to qualify for the loan. There's a personal guarantee. Now in a self-directed IRA, the IRS has stated that you cannot have a personal guarantee on any type of property. So that means conventional loan is prohibited. So this obviously limits some investors as majority have always done 20 to 25% down on a conventional investment property loan and you know have the bank finance at 4%, 5%, whatever it might have been. With this instance, it has to be asset-based financing. It has to be financing that does not look at you personally but looks at the asset itself. So what this is called is non-recourse financing. And in the lessons I had, I'll be detailing non-recourse financing and exactly what it is, how to obtain it, how it's different than the regular conventional loans out there. Um, But that's one of the instances here is, is the non-recourse financing is very different, you know, in a self-directed IRA compared to you know, outside of one. And, and this type of financing is more so seen and prevalent in commercial real estate. So if you're a commercial real estate investor, you've probably dealt with non-recourse. If you've been primarily in the residential space, you may not have heard of it or used it because it's typically not very well known or used as much in financing with residential real estate. So those are some of the, the, the prohibited transactions as far as You know what you can and can't do now. When discussing active versus passive, and inside of real estate, uh, you really want to talk about you know what it looks like with these specific set of rules and how it makes it different as well. Because one thing is, as a you know as a standard investor out there, if you've always invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, most of those individuals that may have some or very limited or no real estate experience those investors typically would prefer the passive route because you know they may not have the time or knowledge to invest in real estate themselves on an active basis since this is something that they have never done before and doing it within a self directed ira is not typically the best place to start as an active investor so majority of investors would start on the passive route here when opening up a self-directed and determining what type of investments are are for me. Now I want to get into the most common type of real estate in in a self-directed and that's going to be rentals versus flipping properties. So obviously very common to the the full-time investor if you've done either or. There are specific advantages, obviously one is short-term flips, others is a a longer-term play for majority of investors with holding rental properties for cash flow purposes. And I wanna talk about the differences when you do those two inside of a self-directed IRA. Now, as we've talked about before, you know some of the prohibited transactions and what you can and cannot do, when it comes down to flipping property, um, this, is, this is an approach many investors will take in a self-directed IRA, but it's definitely going to be much, much smaller than uh, obtaining rental properties because of these extra layers I, I talked about. You know, when you're when you're flipping a property of full control with your traditional dollars, your your taxable dollars, you can do whatever you'd like. You know, you don't have the IRS looking down or breathing down your neck to make sure you're compliant and everything is in order or you're worrying about an audit. That's what's happening in a self-directed IRA. I'm not saying it's impossible and you shouldn't flip properties in a self-directed IRA. I'm just saying it adds more layers you have to worry about outsourcing pretty much everything, not being hands on with any part of the process. Uh, The financing will also determine whether you're getting a hard money loan or a non-recourse loan, whatever it might be to fund it or paying in in cash. Um, Now when looking at this on the flip side, on the rental property side of it, now this is obviously more of a longer-term investment than within a retirement account, obviously it is a retirement account. So that means people are setting aside investments here for their future whether you're retiring at 55, 60, 65, 70 whatever you know your target date is um, majority of investors are looking at this longer term than actively flipping properties or you know being on a hands-on approach here where you have to where you have to keep in mind all of the the compliance issues so on the rental end of it we see more and more investors you know looking into rental properties or investing in notes or investing in private lending where they're more in a longer term approach here where they're generating cash flow for that account and if they're financing they're leveraging themselves and they're able to grow that account even more by maximizing their purchasing power but on the long-term approach though It is more of a a common thing to see in a self-directed IRA is is investing in rentals because it makes it a little bit easier. You you can hire a third-party property manager to manage day-to-day operations. You can stay, you know, obviously in touch with what's happening, but you can't actively manage it and you can't perform any work yourself. But uh, a self-directed IRA is great for rental properties because it is a tax-advantaged account. You're generating tax-free or tax-deferred rental income you know, on a monthly basis or if it's a quarterly basis, um, and that's huge. Obviously, this is a tax-advantaged account. When you're looking at a self-directed IRA, when you do sell a property, you're not paying capital gains either. You're not paying that tax. So this is huge. This just like investing through, a ten, if, if anyone's had experience in the 1031 exchange, where you, you're, you're selling a property and you've got, you know, 45 days to identify the next property and 180 days to close on that property, this is a tax-deferred type of uh, transaction in real estate because obviously, you know, Uncle Sam is out there watching us. So most investors in real estate want to shelter themselves as much as they can from taxes. So deferring taxes or having a tax-free method within rental properties is huge. I mean, I don't know if people understand, I mean, what, what that really means, you know, when we're talking about real estate and the kind of income it can generate, whether you generate 5% cash flow, 10%, 15%, 20%, whatever it might be. Can you imagine if that's tax free or tax deferred for a very long time, and, and what that looks like in, in ten years, in, in twenty years for your portfolio? So, this is the, this is the long term thinking that you know we see in terms of psychology for for many investors we've worked with or we've educated across the country on this concept of opening their eyes to a self directed IRA, opening their eyes to. You know, going against the status quo to to not only investing in traditionals and and hoping for the best. I mean, you've seen what the market's done um, from this election. I mean, it's it's going to be a volatile one. So investors want to take control. And when we're discussing, as I mentioned, um, active versus passive, that's a determination every investor will make themselves. You've got to weigh the pros and cons as well as your experience level. If you're a new investor in real estate, you might tend to lean towards the passive side in the beginning. Um, or if you're starting out small, you might start with a small wholesale deal or some, some rental property. So there's a lot of things you have to consider. But the main point of this talk is looking at the differences of investing in real estate with, within your IRA compared to outside of it. It is not apples to apples. There are those restrictions, as I mentioned, uh, the sweat equity not being able to be hands-on, uh, the property management where that has to be outsourced as well as the financing limitations here. These are three big things that investors have to keep in mind when determining if they're an active or a passive investor so that they can make you know the right decisions but also stay compliant so they're within the rules and they're not you know, looking over their shoulder if the IRS is going to come down and audit you and potentially find something that you unknowingly committed a prohibited transaction. That happens so many times to investors where unknowingly you know, they, they've just been going through the motions what they've typically done but you know they weren't maybe aware of you know this particular um, the particular differences in, in the self-directed IRA compared to outside of ones so uh, I hope this is helpful for investors in terms of determining active versus passive and, and what's best for them but really what you want to know is you know what are the rules and how is it different and can I do active type investments? And be successful at it within myself directed, or should I stay to the passive route and have everything managed and have everything compliant?